Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league, or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. This show is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Between the NFL, college ball, and the Major League Baseball playoffs, there's no shortage of games to watch, and with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with MyBookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into real moneymakers. And don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly does have a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash. Sign up at MyBookie, and when you do, use our promo code 3YARDS. That's the word 3YARDS to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. That's promo code three yards for your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC card, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards for Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga, full boat today. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. Simon, we didn't get your reaction. Uh, me and Chris had a whole Tua show, which is currently setting download records. People really like Tua, and they like winning. They don't like losing, and they don't like things that don't have to do with shiny new quarterback. What's your reaction to the announcement? 
from last week? I think it was shock, I suppose. Um, I'd been pretty vocal about him not coming into the lineup, given that, you know, the Dolphins are 3-1 in the last four games. We'd won, what, 62-17 or whatever it was over the, the last two. Um, so it kind of felt like a, an unusual time, really, to go to him, especially given that the week before, Flores had said, A, if he was my son, I wouldn't want him playing, and then B, didn't let him play against the 49ers, even to come in and hand the ball off. Uh, it seemed a little bit weird then to all of a sudden turn to him. But, you know, we're not going to change the past. It is what it is. Uh, and the future is now. So looking forward to it. You don't buy any of the conspiracy theories making the rounds out there, right? That this came from somewhere else in the building? No. I, I just think it's... No, I don't. I think it's ludicrous to, to suggest that Brian Flores was suddenly... He's in a very strong position. You know, why would he count out to... And also, I don't understand why anybody would say that. You know, the Dolphins are the Dolphins are three and three, and they're a game out of the lead of of the AFC East. Um, what, why would anybody say that, that that that's the move they should be making, given they've gone three and one over the last month? That would just make no sense. I don't I don't see Stephen Ross doing it. I don't see Chris Greer doing it. Uh, I just I, and I to be honest, Brian Flores doesn't strike me as the sort of guy that would just take that and say, oh yeah, I'm going to do it. Brian Flores is the sort of guy who is strong moralistically, and I would suspect Brian Brian Flores would turn around and say, you know what? If that's really what you want to do, then you can get somebody else to run your ball club because I'm not, not going to do it. He doesn't seem like a yes man on any level to me, so um, I, I just can't see that happening. Yeah, you know, there's um, I, I I will point out this thing you know uh, about Brian Flores, and this seems to be like sort of a developing pattern, maybe, um, to where like he's like he will say one thing and you'll be like certain where he stands and then and then change his mind in a week like it's it happened last year uh, about the quarterback position um i remember like all of a sudden all of a sudden he there was an about face after i think it was around the owners meetings or somewhere on there um you know, as far as who the quarterback was, actually there was, there were several about faces with respect to the quarterback position last year. And it was like, it was like, we always thought we knew where he stood based on what he was saying. And then a week later, he just totally contradicted you, you know? Um, and, and that's, I think that's sort of a developing pattern. So, so really just be careful. It, it's a lesson to us, I think, in reading into what he says when he says something like, you know, Hey, if Tua was my kid, I wouldn't want him being pushed out there because of media narratives and stuff like that. Like, you know, we want to be careful with them and stuff. We read into that because we're normal people <laughs> and, um, and, and we think normal things and, you know, and we want to, so we want to just take him at face value, but sometimes he, he has, he's, he's definitely, he's definitely flip-flopped around. Um, on this position specifically, but you know, maybe on some other things too. So, um, so I think that's something to keep an eye on. Now, Simon, uh, this wasn't handled correctly, right? Like, this wasn't the the best rollout that no, Tuvalu could have had, huh? No, very badly. And uh, I think um, uh, I don't know if we're able to say how it got out there. I don't know if that's common knowledge, but. It, you know, it's very poor handling, uh, and I think it reflects very badly on. Unfortunately, I think it reflects very, very badly on Brian Flores because it just doesn't seem to be the way that they would handle anything. 
Um, but also I think probably what it would have done is would have upset some team members because, you know, this is Fitz's team. You know, he's clearly hugely well respected by everybody, offense, defense, special teams. And to, to think that it would have been handled that way, I think would have upset some of the players. And, you know, understandably, I think there would have been a bit of a backlash, especially amongst some of the more senior players in the team going to flow and saying, look, this is not how it should have been handled. And, you know, I, 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 my understanding is there was a, a fairly sincere apology as to, to how it was handled and you know hopefully they can come together but it's not great for Tua either you know he doesn't want to come into that atmosphere uh, where something's been so badly handled and it's not his fault mm. yeah now on Thursday Simon I don't know if you listened to our podcast but uh, Chris and I we talked about what the national media was saying about it and you know we're not going to get into you know the Twitter beefs that we had on the 3YPC account last week but it continued when, on when you Sunday. say we you mean you yeah, but I, I, you know, I do it under right, the matter. Mostly, I, I ended up, I tried to play Peacemaker at one point, and then Jeff Schwartz decided to turn it into a shit fight anyway. And, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, so whatever. Hey, but, you know, mission accomplished. We gained a ton of followers, and we had everybody on our side. We, we created a mob on, on Thursday. But it continued on Sunday, okay? All the pregame shows, all of a sudden, we're extremely relevant now in the grand scheme of things, which is, I guess, a good thing. But I found myself in a very weird place as I watched the ESPN pregame show, and the only guy who agreed with starting Tua was Rex Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) So, Simon, what do you make of this backlash? I never saw this backlash for starting Joe Burrow or starting Justin Herbert after they almost killed Tyrod Taylor. So... You know, why do we deserve this backlash? Well, because the Bengals and the Chargers went three and three playing good football. I mean, that's pretty obvious, surely. I mean, you know, there was no competition for Joe Burrow. Um, and really, once Tyler Taylor got stabbed in the chest, there was no competition for, for Justin Herbert either. I mean, you know, um, yeah. if the Dolphins were 0 and 6, I could understand it, but they're three and three. They're just beating the 49ers who on Sunday absolutely waxed the Patriots at home with pretty much the same team save for a slightly more healthy Jimmy Garoppolo uh, and Emmanuel Mosley back at corner. Beyond that, it's the same team that we waxed 42-17, to 17, uh, 43-17. So, you know, uh, um, th- that's why there was no fanfare around Burrow and fanfare around, uh, around Herbert, because the scenarios were completely different. Well, let's be fair, though. Also, I mean, they're, they're, the criticism that we're seeing is because the team is not because the team is too good. The criticism we were arguing about was that the, the team is too bad to start to it. That's what they were saying. The offensive line is awful, is one of the worst in the league. We're going to get to a killed. You shouldn't start him right now. You know, like that's they're saying they're saying Tua can't succeed in this situation that we're setting him up for. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of taking a viewpoint like, Hey, we won three out of our last four. Very true. We outscored opponents by, by a lot in, the, in several of the games. We beat the 49ers who are doing work right now. We, you know, and, uh, and, and I think that's all very rational, but they were, they're saying that Tua shouldn't be starting because the team around him can't, can't protect him. Can't, uh, hmm. can't do work for him. Yeah, but I think that comes from not watching games week in, week out. I mean, that's not a 
I, I just, you know, with the greatest respect to people like Dan Olofsky and, and those people that said that, I, I don't think they're sitting down watching the Dolphins week in and week out. I, I, I just don't. That's just the way it is. And, um, you know, I, I think you had to sit down and watch Brian Baldinger's nine-minute um, video of the Dolphins offensive line the other day to see how well, but also some of the limitations that the guys have had, or not limitations, some of the, the issues that they've had, because I clearly don't think that they're limited. I think it's just an experience thing. Um, but I just thought it was a fairly embarrassing hot take um, that the Dolphins had the worst offensive line because it just clearly, A, doesn't stack up in reality. Uh, and it seemed to be a lot of reliance on pro football focus numbers. And let's remember pro football focus had Stefan Gilmore as the 33rd ranked cornerback in the NFL last year. And he won NFL defensive player of the year. And I think that pretty much tells you all that you need to know yes. about, uh, about those rankings. Um, so I'll give you know, one I better because I went, is... I went digging for them last week. There was a time where Xavier, Xavier Howard, had given up seven catches for 96 yards in a span of six weeks, and he had four interceptions. And in those six weeks, he was the third best corner. I want to meet the first and the second best corner. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't pay any heed to to those specific rankings, and uh, you know, and as an aside, I find it fairly embarrassing for for Al Michaels to have to read out um, on Sunday Night Football that player X is ranked fifth overall when a cursory look at by using your eyes could tell you that's not the case. And I totally get that Chris Collinsworth is a part owner of Pro Football Focus, but even so, anyway, that's my rant over. But um, I, I just don't, I just think that the points that were being made about the Dolphins offensive line, that they're the worst in the league, was painfully um, ill-advised because it's from people that haven't watched the first six games of the season. Well, there's I a think, new, I think the line has, narrative as I think well, the line... which we'll get into as soon as Chris finishes the soliloquy here. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think the, the line uh, has some strengths and, and weaknesses. I think that and this is the point that I made on a Twitter, um, like, uh, you know, thread, uh, sort of in response to the whole situation a couple days later after we'd done our podcast and everything. Um, and which is that, you know, we're, we're building off the New England model. The New England model was built from the inside out, um, from the middle out, both offensively and defensively. Uh, what we're trying to do is solidify the the middle of the, this is, this shouldn't be news to anybody. Eric flowers, you know, six foot six and 345 pounds, uh, Solomon Kinley, six foot four and 340 pounds. I mean, Ted Karras is a big six, six foot four stout kind of guy at center. Um, you know, you're building from the inside out and, and it's reflected. And even if you go to the analytics and not necessarily the ratings, which is the, the thing that I usually pick at with pro football focus. Um, but the middle, the middle of the offensive line, the guard center guard uh, combo is ranks, you know, I think number nine in the league or something like that in terms of pressures allowed on the quarterback. Um, and, and, you know, it's the tackles it's uh as we would we would suspect, but it's the tackles with the rookie Austin Jackson and uh, and Jesse Davis at right tackle, or now Jesse Davis at left tackle, which I cannot even believe is working, but it is. Um, and and then Robert Hunt at right tackle, also a rookie. Um, you know they're letting up some pressures, but the the pressures from the outside. I mean, Bill Belichick has always denigrated outside pa pass rush edge rushers, spe pure speed rushers. It's why. It's why Brian Flores, he got here, the first thing that he did was trade Robert Quinn for a pack of cigarettes and uh, and then uh, let Cameron Wake walk. You know, they, they don't really rate pure speed edge rushers uh, in the, because Bill Belichick's always said um, the most useless place you can be on a football field is two yards behind the quarterback. 
Um, so I think that uh, you're seeing pressure from the edges, but in this model and this philosophy, we expect the quarterback to step up against that pressure. Uh, we expect the, you know, as long as you've solidified the middle of the offensive line, which the Dolphins very much have with a big expenditure and Eric Flowers and then, um, you know, bringing in Ted Karras for his experience and then Solomon Kinley, that big 340 pounder, um, you know, solidify in the middle of the offensive line so that the quarterback can step up against the edge pressure. And, and they're also, you know, quite frankly, some of their, some of their pass blocking techniques are built as more of a slow down the edge rush, not necessarily completely block it out, slow down the edge rush so that the the quarterback can get the ball out on time, the way the play was structured, you know, with the timing that the play was, was intended. Um, so I, you know, the, the stuff, the, the pressures that they're letting up on the offense are coming from the edges uh, and it fits within the scheme. You know, that's why I don't necessarily see it as being, you know, bad or as being a, them being a bad offensive line. And, and I don't know if, if these guys are able to, to really take account of all that or um, what they're looking at, but I think that it's, uh, it's misguided. Now, another narrative that came out there, and let's forget about Matt Hasselbeck. I'm not, I don't even want to entertain that one because it's completely false. He was basically saying that this should tear apart the entire locker room. Because the picture that he painted on Sunday was that you have 52 veterans, including Ryan Fitzpatrick, now with pitchforks going after Brian Flores because he just threw away the entire season by starting this incompetent lefty on Sunday. That's basically the picture that he painted. Okay? That's but dumb. we'll ignore that one. But what is kind of common everywhere is that the Dolphins are essentially punting on the season because they're starting to a Tonga battle. I don't believe it at all. Do you believe it, Simon? Um, no, but I I think there'll be some bumps in the road. Um, you know, he is a very talented player, as we know. But you know, he's taken five snaps in live action in pretty much a year. Um, you know, I don't necessarily think that it's going to be the sort of magic carpet to the playoffs that everybody thinks it's going to be i just think that's realistic you know no matter how good he is and he is but you know it's going to take a little bit of time there's going to be some bumps there's going to be some bruises um you know he's facing aaron donald at the weekend for example i am um, i think uh you have to be realistic about expectations um and the fact that he's coming off the injury i can't wait to see him out there i think he's going to be tremendous but it, it will take time that you know no quarterback in history has come in and you know and absolutely dominated week in, week out, like a 10-year veteran in their first game. You know, Joe Burrow's playing really well, but, you know, he's had a few he's had a few bumps. Um, you know, Tom Brady had a few bumps when he came in. Even Matt Ryan threw a touchdown his very first uh, throw when he was the third overall pick. But, he, you know, he enjoyed some bumps after that. Um, so it's going to take a little bit of time. And I don't, or I don't, I just don't suddenly see that the Dolphins are going to reel off six or seven wins, um, you know, and you might end up getting to a point in six games time where maybe we've gone two and four and you could make an argument that maybe Fitz's experience would have gone four and two. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. I think this time next year, you know, it could be hugely special. And I think essentially for me, what I feel like is happening is that they're building up 
for next year because it does feel like this roster is rounding into shape and you want to get him as much experience as you possibly can on a decent team, which is what the Dolphins are. Although in a packed AFC, it's very difficult to see a path to the playoffs given how strong the AFC is. But this time next year, I think you're going to be looking at a potentially very special team. Well, as far as the playoffs, I do see one team in, in the playoffs right now, which is an absolute garbage team, which is that that Cleveland Brown team. They're awful. They're god-awful. And I don't even know how the hell they're winning games, to, to be honest with you. But I do understand what you're saying. Uh, Chris, are they really punting on the season? No, I think, it's the, I think it's the exact opposite. I think, I, I, and I really believe that. I, I think that um, I think that punting on the season, to me, Listen, if, if Ryan Fitzpatrick kept going, we were already accusing his arm of looking kind of tired, like in week one. Okay. And, 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 and it didn't get better as, as, as things were going right. I mean, it, go straight to the, to the jets game, you know, yeah, he's, he's Fitzpatrick magic and he's doing, he's doing cool things, but what is he going to look like in December, Kansas city, new England, Las Vegas at Las at Las Vegas Raiders and then at Buffalo Bills. That's the December schedule. Okay. Um, or the last four week four games of the season. We're gonna have to play that that four game stretch really well to even get into the playoffs. It's like a playoffs before the playoffs. Okay. Mm-hmm. You lose, you lose, and you're not in the playoffs, most likely. Um, or there's gonna be situations in that December period where you lose and you're not in the playoffs. So I think that if you had Fitzpatrick and you kept him at quarterback, you're accepting that you're sort of a mediocre team, a three and three team, you know, lost in the new England Patriots, lost to the Buffalo bills. Um, you know, beat, we beat the 49ers, but honestly, the 49ers were playing really bad football and Jimmy Garoppolo was playing really bad football and came back too early. And then we beat CJ Beathard in the second half. I mean, it was in, in there were in some ways it was, it was a little unfair, um but you know we beat some bad teams and we're good enough to beat bad teams i think consistently uh but when we get to that december portion i this was setting up to be the typical one step like fail to the finish um at the end of the season and then you you know either limp into the playoffs and get quickly escorted out or uh or you don't get into the playoffs at all um and that i thought was kind of a best scenario with Ryan Fitzpatrick still at the helm. I think this is going for something better. Okay. You're, you're hoping to take the lull part of the schedule and it is a little bit of a, well, I mean, it's, it's getting a little bit tougher, but I mean, there's, it's a little bit of a lull in this part of the schedule and you're trying to get Tua up to speed so that he can play through that December. And, you know, if you've got a fully up to speed Tua, who we've always said, is very NFL ready for a rookie quarterback, right? I mean, that's as far as rookie quarterbacks go, this guy comes in a little bit more prepackaged than some others um, in terms of his preparation and, and his training and what he can do. Um, then I think that, you know, that fully up to speed to is our best chance in December. It's our best chance to, to, you know, catch a heater and, and, and really ride it out. It wasn't going to happen with Ryan Fitzpatrick in December or, or in the playoffs. And so I think that this is this this is as much about this year as it is about the future. I don't think I don't I don't buy this bullshit about like this is this is tanking the season or this is giving up on the season. I think it's the exact opposite. 
Now, Simon, you were talking about the AFC. What do you think are, because I think we had a, a hell of an indicator on Sunday, in my opinion, that looked to me on Sunday in Pittsburgh, the two best teams in the AFC. And I understand that Kansas City is the defending champion, but Kansas City, that game, they were scoring on special teams, on defense. They look like a complete team. They're, I, they're probably in a league of their own because they're probably going to have the the buy all the way through the playoffs, I think they'll overtake the the Steelers. But that Pittsburgh Tennessee game, they look like the best two teams in the in the AFC. What do you think hmm. is yeah the cream of the crop in the AFC? Oh, I think Pittsburgh and and Tennessee are easily the the well Pittsburgh Tennessee Kansas City. I think are the are the teams. I mean, you look at it. Hmm. Buffalo probably going to win the division. Baltimore have lost one game. Pittsburgh are unbeaten. Um, Indianapolis uh, are a good team. Um, Tennessee, obviously, a very good team. You got the Chiefs, you got the Raiders, you got the Browns. You know, it's hard to see the Dolphins finding a path through all that to get into the playoffs. Um, but for me, I think the, the Steelers are playing. You know, that, that defense is outstanding. They can get to the, you know, they can get to the quarterback. They can stop the run. Obviously, the loss of Devin Bush at linebacker is a, is an issue, but. They seem to have filled that. Secondary is playing really well. Fitzpatrick had a slow start to the season, but has come on the last couple of games. And offensively, there's so many weapons. You look at, you know, Connor and, and Benny Snell and Samuels and the tight ends. And then there's that receiving, you know, Washington, Claypool, um, Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously. Um, they are they're absolutely loaded um, at the position. Deontay Johnson. Uh, they've got so much talent, and Roethlisberger is is playing well and getting better week after week. So I think they are the, um, I think they're the strength of the uh, of the AFC, and I think the Dolphins will find a very difficult path to get to the playoffs. Well, I'll look at it like this, and uh, you tell me what you think, Chris. I'm looking at it right now. If you have the division winners as Buffalo, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee, which looks like it's you know it's that's pretty much a lock. Then there's three playoff teams left the ravens own one of them so that means that you have the browns the colts the raiders and the dolphins going for two playoff spots four teams for two playoff spots who scares you in that group because i don't like i don't see anything like what is that like who are those teams yeah i mean but put miami in among them you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, they're, does, they're, it's, it's is Miami is Miami. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, does, does Miami scare the others than no, the fans of the a, other teams? Right it's now? a bushel of teams. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's right. There's some, there's some potential noise makers all along the way. I mean, so yeah, Baltimore is, I think Baltimore, if we're not including them on a list with uh, the Steelers and the chiefs and certainly the titans if we're not including the ravens at least with the titans then i think we're doing a disservice uh to the baltimore ravens i think they belong up there with them with easily with the titans uh who are probably right probably set to gonna end up winning the division but you know inside in interdivision of play between the titans and colts you never really know how that that pans out um but i think that uh i think that yeah there's some noisemakers in the afc i think what you're shooting at is the browns as the sixth seed right how how you know how much of a moat have they built for themselves as the numbers as the number six 
Remember, um, there's seven seeds this year. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, so so the Browns is the sixth seed, and the, yeah, the real uh, and competition, the, the Col- like and the Colts, and the Colts as the seventh seed. Yes. You know, how much of a moat have those two teams built around themselves uh, at the bottom? Yeah. And I think that that's I think that's a fair question. I mean, include the Ra- Ra- Raiders, sorry, the Raiders in there. Mm-hmm. And you never know. The Chargers are playing such strong football with Justin Herbert. Yeah. They never know when they catch Gator. Right. And then, and that, then all of a sudden that Browns, that Browns win yesterday was was not a good one for the Dolphins. Yeah. So, um, so I think that, uh, I think that there's not, there's nothing too scary about the Browns right now. Um, there's nothing, you know, there's not that much that's too, too scary about the Colts or the Raiders, um, the Chargers, you know, but we do play these teams, you know, we play the Chargers, we play the Raiders, um, we'll, we'll get our chance against them, uh, and so we'll see, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, we play the Bengals, but that doesn't make that doesn't make a lick of a difference. Um, so I, I guess I guess we'll see what it is. But right now, I think I think it's really in the AFC. I think it's the Steelers and the Chiefs. That's just my opinion. Um, I don't include anybody else in there um, in that tier with those two. I think that they're the they're the teams that are showing that they can just go out there and beat anybody, and they're doing it on both sides of the ball, really. Um, and that's uh, that's the scary part about the Chiefs, in my opinion. Um, because it, you know, they're doing it on, on the defensive side of the ball at times too. Yeah, um, I watched and, a lot and of we that know game. what, we know what Mahomes can do. Okay. I watched a I lot mean, of that game and, uh, the Broncos got a good defense because they were keeping that chief's mm-hmm. offense in check in that game. Mm-hmm. It's just that, you know, you can't give up kickoff returns for touchdowns. So you can't throw pick sixes in back to back possessions, <laughs> you know, like that doesn't work. Yeah. And as the game, as the game goes on, you know, it's a little bit path dependent. So it gets, becomes harder for the defense um, to just keep holding them back, keep holding them back, keep holding them back. Um, when, when the scoreboard starts getting away from you and offensively, you can't do anything about it. Um, or, or it can, it can be that way. So I felt, I felt bad for the Broncos that way. Um, but yeah, the chiefs chiefs and Steelers are just like, I mean, obviously the Chiefs aren't unstoppable because they lost a game to the Raiders. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I think they're both borderline unstoppable right now. And the only way the Dolphins are going to make it are going to really catch on is if the defense keeps playing this way or getting better. And offensively, someone, a potential superstar <laughs> at the quarterback position, trains on i mean that's that's it that's the path that's the way all right now uh, we were talking about this on the whatsapp chat and i was throwing out hypotheticals and by the way i it was almost unanimous on on my feed although there was a few takers but i i put out the hypothetical julian edelman for a third round pick and most people were saying no and by the way, the reason I put a third round pick is because I put something out there that I'm pretty sure New England would not say no to. Okay. So like, cause if I put out there a hypothetical, okay, Julian Edelman for a fifth round pick, it's going to be 90% yes on my feet. And that's not a real hypothetical, but Simon, you said no. And you had really good reasons for it. I don't know what Chris thinks, but you could repeat what you told me. Cause I don't think you put it out on, on your feed, Simon. Um, well, I mean, he'll be 35 next season. He can barely run because he's got 
severe knee injury. Um, when Cam went out of the game on Sunday, he hadn't had a single target. Last week, he threw more passes than he caught passes. Um, I, I, there are 25 receivers I'd rather give up a third-round pick for, um, with the greatest respect to Julian Edelman, who's been a great player. But he's, you know, it's, he's at the end of his career. I mean, I saw Albert, Albert Breer say today that, um, you know, Edelman would be looking longingly at what was happening in, in Tampa Bay, but then made the point that he wouldn't even make the roster if, um, <laughs> even if he was traded there. So, yeah. <laughs> not not for me. I would not be wasting a third round pick on a thirty five year old wide receiver who's slowing down. Yeah, Chris, I think I think that's fair. I mean, I I haven't really I haven't really evaluated what what Julian Edelman is looking like nowadays. I mean, sir, you know, I realize that there's a there's a case to be made that he's not healthy enough to even make these rosters um and it's you know it should be it should be over to him what i will say is that a lot of times and you know i realize that sometimes you hit on these third round picks and you're like well third round pick turned into jerome baker man you know that's Uh, yeah um but but a lot of times these third round picks are really just michael dieter or uh you know or or cordrea tankersley or or Leonte Carew. I mean, so I, I I think third round picks do get overvalued by fans, just mm-hmm. generally speaking, a little bit. Um, so you know, I almost have like a disposition where I'm like, you know, I'll spend a third rounder on anybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, be, just be and and it's not I'm not not really anybody. You know, that's not true. But um, but it's sort of like you know that's that's my default pick that's my default pick that like has perceived value that i can dangle out there for somebody um to pry somebody away from from a team and and what i would do is i would look at all all these players around the league that i could potentially pry away from a team and then i would decide which one is ultimately the best investment and then and then you know, try and go for that, that third round pick, um, or dangle that third round pick for them. So, and most often it ends up, I think being more like a fourth, but, um, yeah. So I, I think people do overestimate or overvalue the third, uh, a lot of times. And, um, and in that way, I would be looking at acquiring somebody for one of our, for our third round pick, uh, because we have two twos and two ones, but, um, and I th- and I think not for nothing, but the 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 hit rates in the next draft are going to be shit. Okay, all over the place. It's going to be borderline random. COVID has wreaked havoc on the. I I, I speak I speak to a few that are in the scouting business. It has wreaked havoc on their entire process, uh, as far as trying and and the process is what what gets an orderly success rate as you go you know from the top of the first round all the way down you know to the end of the first round and then in the second round the third round and so on and so forth that's where you get the an orderliness in the the success percentages as you go through time um next year is going to be a shit show okay you're gonna you're gonna find guys you're, you're gonna find guys with massive value in like the fifth round or something like that and and then you're gonna completely bust on guy uh, on a bunch which normally happens but i'm saying this is going to happen more in the top 10 you know and, the, and so on and so forth i think that um so i i would the the inherent uh volatility 
lessens the value of all draft picks next year. So I would be looking to, to burn one of those for a, um, for, for a player, um, the right player in the right situation. Yeah. Now I don't understand what Tampa Bay is doing, except, you know, loading up for an obvious Super Bowl run this year, but what is Scotty Miller going to do? Like he's just going to sit on the bench there with all his production and what he's gotten off to a pretty damn good start. Cause OJ Howard doing? Is he, is he playing? Oh, has he? That's what he's doing. Yeah, he, he's at a hospital. He's rehabbing. Yeah, he's rehabbing is what he's doing. And Rob Gronkowski all of a sudden. So I don't know where the hell all these balls are going to go to because you already have Mike Evans. Okay, he needs his targets. Although uh, although Brady has decided that he's just going to ignore one guy each week. And as he ignores one guy each week, he's going to alternate it week by week. This week, he completely ignored that Mike Evans was on his field, but he still threw for like 350 and four touchdowns. And he was feeding Gronkowski, and Gronkowski was really close to having a three-touchdown game. And he was getting down the field, breaking tackles. So that offense, like, you're going to add Antonio Brown to that? So I guess Scotty Miller, what, just goes to the bench, never to be seen it's, again? It's an injury thing, Alf. Um, uh, in Peter King's column today, uh, mm-hmm. he spoke to Bruce Arians after the game, and Arians said that he spoke to his three receivers beforehand and said, on a percentage level, how healthy are you? And I think he said Mike Evans said he was 75%, Chris Godwin said he was 65 and Scotty, Scotty Miller said he was about 70 They're all really banged up. They've been banged up all season. And I think Godwin's mm-hmm. only played two games. Evans has missed two. Miller Miller can't cut properly, so he's running he's running you know post routes and things, but he's not running anything where which is requiring a lot of cutting and stuff. So, mm-hmm. so I think that's the reason why Brown's coming in, and he made it perfectly clear instead to to Peter King that I mean, if the guy jaywalks, he's done. But I can understand why. I mean, morally, I can't understand why at all. Um, guy should never play in the league again um, if he's found guilty of what he's um, been accused of. But um, he. Um, I can understand on a football level why he's coming in. Yeah. Now, you know, one guy that that Chris just mentioned to me off the air as we were doing our rejoin here, Tyler Johnson. Like, this team does not run mm. out of targets. Is there any way that one of them can pry free, or this is just all in for this year, Super Bowl or bust? I think it's pretty much all in for this year. Um they're just going to try and make it work. Uh, they're going to carry six receivers because of the injuries. Um, but you could see a scenario where, you know, Tyler Tyler, and um, and Antonio Brown end up starting if the other three guys are, are struggling with injury. Um, you know, they saw Cambrai, obviously, um, Jones and Fournette out of the backfield, and, and, um, and Gronkowski seems to be um, uh, at least making himself a bit more useful than he was in the early weeks. So um, we shall see. We should say I'm still not sold 100% on them, but they, um, the the one unit that was really worrying me, which is defense, they've been um, they've been outstanding, and especially their secondary, like Carlton Davis, especially has played like an all-pro corner this year. So they will be very interesting moving forwards. Well, it's right now on Twitter that Everson Griffin and the the Cowboys are looking to start selling, and why not? Because I don't know if you've seen that team over the weekend, but when you get absolutely you know, destroyed by the Washington football team. You got to, you got to have some self-examination and the Cowboys are no longer talking Super Bowls or division titles at six and 10, but maybe scaling it back and dumping some talent. Everson Griffin seems to be the first guy 
to go. Any interest, Chris? Uh, I don't know. Well, I we'll have to see. I don't know if I'd still be interested in Everson Griffin, but that's that's a that's a Brian Flores question because he's very particular about what I think fits and in, fits into the scheme and what does not. I thought you mentioned a a decent one um, before though, because I think we have to we have to look at who's already doing this. Like and and the Minnesota Vikings already just gave uh, what's his name um, Yannick the passer. Yeah, Yanni, Yannick and Gakaway, uh, they just sold him off like not long after they bought him and they sold him off at a loss, right? I mean, they, mm-hmm. so so that, that tells you where that team is. And if if that's where that team is, then, you, you know, can, who can you get from them? Like who's, who's uh, you know, who's, who's a strong, who's a strong blocking tight end? Or a uh, you know is Tyler Conklin a, a strong blocking tight end that that you could use or something like that is um, uh, you know would you go for you mentioned Adam Thielen uh, off air yeah. like in 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 our in our chats I know you've got immense respect for Adam Thielen like what what do we think there um, you know is, is it are they're going to obviously they keep Justin Jefferson um, who is, who's playing with his hair on fire a little bit, but uh, you know, there's BC Johnson uh, who played by the way with Preston Williams at, uh, at CSU. Um, you know, the, the, there's, I would look there. You're right. I mean, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. Is, is, uh, Absolutely. is Alexander Madison any good? I don't, I don't know. Um, so that's what I, that's what I'd kind of, that's where I'd, look i'd look at a team that's already verified to be um to be doing this well if you look at at that team it's loaded with these candidates i'll give you another one what do you think of harrison smith with one year left on his contract and that one year that's left it's 10 million dollars that's it i think michael gallup at dallas is a more interesting proposition that one's that is an interesting one yeah you know with amari cooper but with cd lamb especially um, you think Michael Gallup could, you know, you could probably extricate Gallup for a second rounder, maybe. Mm, I don't know. That's a, that's a little bit rich. A second rounder for Gallup. I, I'd rather go into player. the draft, no? But you just want to give up a third rounder for, for Julian Edelman. Well, it was because I know that they'll <laughs> say yes to that. I, I don't think that – I think Dallas – I don't know. Would Dallas – Dallas would say yes to a second for Michael Gallup. Probably. Yeah, I would say so because – well, that team needs so much on defense that, yeah, they got to say yes to almost anything, right? Like, if somebody went crazy and offered uh, yeah, a second rounder for Ezekiel Elliott, they might do that too. No? Yeah, I mean, he had 1,100 yards last season as a second year player, 17 yards of pop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a good player. Yeah, he's and he's one of the best goal route runners in, in the league. Yeah. Yeah, come to think of it, a second rounder is kind of juicy. Yeah, I probably yeah, funny, huh? <laughs> yeah, I think you'd have to be careful. You'd have to be careful on the defensive side of the ball um, because their defense can, especially their secondary coverage, can be so different um, than than what we have going in Miami. So, you know, I, I love, I adore Harrison Smith, obviously, but um, you know, it'd be it'd be a pretty tough, it'd be a pretty interesting question. You know, what the exact fit is. And when you when you pop open the the sport track on Harrison Smith, it screams, "Yeah, I'm getting traded." 
Mm. You know what I mean? That's what it screams. It screams like, okay, we're going to get out from under paying him $10 million next year. And we're going to get a high pick for him because he's 31 now. You know? Just had, he, I've just had to redraft that 2012 draft, um, <laughs> yeah. which is quite interesting. And Harrison Smith obviously went in that in that draft. He went 29th to the Vikings. Obviously, I've redrafted him. He's gone 16th to the New York Jets. But it was very interesting. Um, you know who's who's kind of who may be begging for it a little bit, uh, figuring figuring him out is, is and this has been this is not new is um is anthony barr you know um yeah. i know they or well anthony harris again that that secondary coverage because it, it's my impression they play a lot of two don't they they do yeah they, yeah. yeah so um and and those safeties that play in that scheme can't i have always my this is my perception obviously this is just one guy um my perception has been that, that they can be pretty specialized um and and not necessarily you know translate uh when when you bring them around and pass them around unless you tra- unless you're passing them to another team that plays like you do um so i don't know i that's wh- that's where my reticence would be but i mean anthony barr um what can miami do with him I, i'm thinking you know could they play him on the edge some mm. and and just, and justin and, justin reed is another yeah um the Texans are what one and six. Yes, one mm. and six. Yeah. And get not a very good season. But by the way, he's a very good player. No, oh, they so, need draft picks back. That's true. They huh? need draft picks. <laughs> we have them as all. a goof. As a goof, I would call them and ask them for Larry Mutunsel for a second round pick. Uh, <laughs> how do you guys feel about this? <laughs> how do you feel about back. Larry Mutunsel for a second rounder? How do you? No, you know. Yeah, uh, no. that's another rumor. That's another rumor that's going out there. They're saying that the that the Texans are planning to jettison, and that's the word that they used. They're wide receivers, which means Kenny Stills is on the way out, Will Fuller on the way out, Brandon Cooks on the way out. Any interest on any of those three, Simon? Ken, Kenny's had twelve catches this season and has barely played. Um, Fuller has has never well, but actually both Fuller and Cooks have never consistently stayed healthy. Fuller's having a nice season, but. Not for me. They're too rich given that, you know, I want guys who are available every week and neither of them, you know, Brandon Cooks has had a lot of concussions. Um, they are not players that I would particularly want to be investing in. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that side. Yeah, I want availability, you know. Although Brandon Cooks, you know, it's intriguing, but yeah, the concussion question is a problem. Uh, Chris, yeah, any what's, he, what's he making? Like, what's his, what, what are we talking about in terms of salary? It's It's eight million this year? Yeah, something Brandon like Cooks. that. What's that? Who are you talking about, Cooks? Yeah, Cooks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's. Actually. I think Seven it's, it's eight. Million. It's eight eight million this year, and he's 26 years. Old. I I mean, I get that there's there's issues there, um, as far as his his um, you know, availability. But he's, he's 27 years old. Six years. <laughs> That's true. Um, he does manage he does usually man uh, I, I don't know I, I haven't i haven't looked uh too much but doesn't he usually manage to be pretty productive even with all the new teams yeah he has a million um, he's, one thousand yard seasons that's true he's had one two three four thousand yard seasons in one two three four five six seven 
you know what? The more I look yeah. at it, I think we can. I think the Dolphins can pry Will Fuller from them for for a song. He's a free agent at the end of the season. But that's the guy that never plays, right? Isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, when he does, he catches ninety yard touchdowns. Like never plays. <laughs> yeah, he just runs really, really, really fast in in, in a straight line. I don't know. He's great. I, I, I like him. I've always liked him going back to college. I'm just like, you know, we're talking about over, what is this? Um, four, this is four and a half years. Um, so that's, he's missed about 40, you know, 72. He's, he's missed about a third of the games he could have yeah. played in. Yeah. He's missed a third of his games. Yeah, That's he looks like he could that. be like, you, just you're, you're, cost them. you get him and you're like, okay, we're getting him for 10 games a year. <laughs> 670 um, yards is the most you know that's had. yeah i i brandon cooks and this is what this is what made me think of brandon cooks and wonder what what the actual money situation is it's just um one we could we could use a deep speed threat like like him i i i do believe that two um he was on the patriots when brian brian flores was there i don't know what he thinks of him um but they you know, he was there. Uh, so that means that coin flip, does he have a positive impression of him or a negative impression of him? I don't know. Um, but it is a coin flip. And if it's a 50% chance, it's a 50% chance that he's like, he likes him, you know? Um, so there's that. And, and then there's, you know, I, I think just the age and the salary actually at $8 million with half of it already more or less, almost half of it already paid kind of makes some sense. And, um, and you're not on the hook, you're not on the hook for the future, you know, uh, the future next guarantees. I mean, you don't have to pay the roster bonuses in in 2021 or, or 2022 and stuff like that. If you, if you don't want to, um, it could make some sense. I'm just saying, I'm just saying it could make a lot of sense. I think actually you'll see trades on Thursday. Of this week, I know the trade deadline is next Tuesday, which is obviously election day for you guys. But also, with the with the five day protocol in terms of COVID testing, that would be an extra mm. week that somebody would have to sit out if they were dealt on the deadline. Whereas on the Thursday, it would mean that they were available to and eligible and registered in time to play next weekend. Um, so I suspect Thursday would be quite a hot day. Mm. And mm. one one last hypothetical before Simon tells us, you know, what to do with your nether regions would you trade ryan fitzpatrick simon no no the cowboys go crazy uh you know jerry jones gets on the phone and says look i might die it's very possible i might die soon i want to win this division here's the third michael gallup you do it you trade michael gallup for him i'd take it Oh, I would too. I'll drive Ryan Fitzpatrick to Dallas for Michael Gallup. Yeah. <laughs> you I, know? Yeah. But other no, than that, and... not, not much interest? Um, no. Not no, me. I don't think so. He's too valuable I mean, to, it, to what's happening. Like you said, if it's something ridiculous, Simon, but yeah. <laughs> um, it won't. But be. yeah. But yeah, and think of it this way you're trying to train Tua on for, you know, decade plus of being in Miami, right? And yeah. I think that. I think severing that relationship, whereas, you know, right now Fitzpatrick would be a very valuable set of eyes and a very valuable input. Um, he's played everybody in the league. The guys that have played everybody are really valuable in that room. Um, 
you know, and on your sidelines and backing you up and giving you input. Uh, so you know, he's too valuable to Tua Tungabayaloa that way. And that's if, you know, hey, Tua could get hurt. And then we're down to what? Jake Rudock? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> or that Senate guy, that Reed Senate. Oh, oh, is that who we have on the practice squad right now? Reed, yes. Reed Senate? Yeah. And yeah. Guess, what, no, guess what number he wears? Uh, does he wear, uh, what's his name's number? Josh Rosen's former number? No, 17. Oh, 17. Okay. They gave him 17. Ooh. Yeah, former, uh, future Ring of Honor uh, quarterback, okay. Ryan Tannehill. Yeesh. <laughs> yes. All right, Simon, tell the people how they can be nice and smooth for Tua's debut on Sunday. 5RSN is the code for 20% off where you can buy yourself a lawnmower 3.0. Everybody's got one. If you haven't got one, what the hell have you been doing? There's an election coming next weekend, or next week even. You need to shave your nuts for the election because... Buy it with your stimulus money. Exactly. Exactly. Less taxes, right. more money to shave your nuts. <laughs> All right. Next Thursday, maybe, or sometime later on this week, we will preview Rams, Dolphins, and Tua Tungvaloa's debut as a starting NFL quarterback. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes on Podbean or your usual podcast provider. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.